0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to be together with you. Welcome to River Glen. Thanks for making River Glen part of your uh, Sunday. Before I get started, uh, just a few things. First of all, how about those Badgers? Anybody watch the game yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't resist. That was great. That was, uh, that was awesome. All right, just a couple of things I want to mention to you. First of all, we've got a little gift for you. It's called uh, Right Now uh, Media, and it's a fantastic resource. Take a look at the screens.
1: We're expanding our church library, but don't worry, we don't need you to show up with a hammer on Saturday. We've gone digital. Now everyone in our church can access a ton of great biblical teaching on video, anytime, anywhere. We know that spiritual questions don't just come up on Sunday. Any day of the week we might face issues about our marriage or parenting or finances. And we're always looking for ways to deepen our understanding of prayer, of missions, or of discipleship. That's why we've given you instant access to great biblical teaching videos for all ages. Stuff for kids, like What's in the Bible from VeggieTales creator, Phil Vischer, and Paws and Tales from Chuck Swindoll. Youth resources from teachers like Eric Mason and Francis Chan. Marriage and parenting videos from Gary Thomas and Chip Ingram. And biblical teaching on a wide variety of topics from Tim Keller, Matt Chandler, Max Lucado, Dave Ramsey, Andy Stanley, Margaret Feinberg, Louis Giglio, and many more. It's a great way to supplement your daily devotional time, to find quality materials for family worship, prep for leading or teaching your group, watch Bible studies with your small group, and if someone misses a meeting, they don't have to fall behind. They can easily catch up on their own. Some groups may even have their members watch the video before the meeting, leaving more time for discussion when everyone is gathered. By making this library of great biblical teaching available to you when and where you need it, this is just one more way we hope we can support and equip you on your journey of faith.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, resource. And uh, we've purchased uh, a partnership with RightNow Media so that you can have free access uh, to it. This week we're going to send out an email and there's instructions on how to subscribe. But if we don't have your email and you want to subscribe, uh, be sure to fill out the insert in the program, put that in the uh, offering bag. I've subscribed. Uh, I'm in a group and uh, we're using materials from Right Now Media and it's free, fantastic resource, and I think you're really going to want to. Uh, check that out. Second, uh, would you go ahead and pull out this card? It says you asked for it. It's in the chair back in front of you. We're going to be doing a series in June based on questions that you submit. If you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? Or if you could have any question addressed from the Bible, you know, what questions what would you like to have addressed? Fill that out. Put it in the offering bag. Uh, later on, we appreciate your help uh, putting that series together. All right, question for you. Do you ever feel like there's a gap between what you think you do in life and what you actually do in life. You know, maybe you've seen some of these gaps on uh, Facebook, like this one uh, here, when it comes to uh, working. You know, Here's what your friends think you do at work, and then here's what your boss thinks you do at work. Here's what you think you do at work, and here's what you actually do at work, right? And those of you that are parents of toddlers, here's what the people on the airplane think toddlers uh, do. Here's what grandparents think toddlers do. Here's what I think toddlers do. And here's what toddlers actually uh, do. One more, and this one's for me, Uh, the pastor. Here's what most people think pastors do. Here's what many of you think pastors do. Here's what I think pastors do. (laughs) That's what pastors actually do right there. Well, today we're finishing up this series, and it's about closing the gap between who I am and uh, who I want to be. I think we would all agree there's a gap that exists. I'm here, but I want to be here. You know, I'm here. Even though I used to be way over here and I made progress to here, this really isn't where I want to be. God has more for me. I want to be over here. And so throughout this series, we've dusted off and we've uncovered these ancient uh, practices that help close that gap from where we are to where we want to be and where God wants us to be. Now, today we're wrapping it up, finishing it up, And we're talking about two ancient practices, and we're not just going to talk about them. We're going to have the opportunity to do them in this service. In fact, these two ancient practices, I would say, are probably the two most powerful and timeless symbols in our world. Very often, as time goes by, symbols lose their meaning. And they become outdated and irrelevant, like this one uh, here. And uh, you, know, you see the symbol you know, on your word processor, right? You know to click on that to save. But uh, does anybody under the age of 30 know what that is? That is, that is actually a floppy disk right there. And uh, that is outdated, right? I mean, you know, it used to be you had to actually insert this, this, this object into your computer to save uh, what you're working on back in the Stone Ages. Yeah, here's another symbol that we uh, that we see, you know, and, and it's lost its uh, original meaning. I mean, this I've ordered things from Amazon. I'm sure many of you have ordered things from Amazon. You've probably seen this a thousand times. But do you know what this arrow, this yellow arrow, means? It's not a smiley face. Here's what it means. Amazon has so many items from A to Z. Yeah, who knew, right? All right, one more symbol, the barber pole. The, the, this symbol has become known uh, to represent a place where you go to get a nice haircut, a shave. But you ever wonder where the red-white pole symbol came from? Back in medi- medieval times, people went to the barber, not just for haircuts, but for medical procedures. Yeah, you know, if, you, if somebody was sick, you know, they would, go to the, they would go to the barber for what was called a bloodletting. And they thought that would heal them. And uh, you can just imagine the mess that it would make. And so, barbers would clean up the blood with a, with a white cloth. And what they would do is they would hang the uh, dirty red and white uh, rags out in front to advertise for their shop. I know that seems gross, uh, but that's, that's the story behind the symbol, the red and white pole that re- represents the, the barber shop. So, every symbol has a story. Many of these stories have, have been forgotten and outdated. But today we're talking about two symbols of the Christian faith, baptism and communion, that have for 2,000 years have never lost their meaning or become irrelevant or outdated. Now, I know we normally talk about communion at the end of the message, right? Today we're going to talk about it to begin with because I want to whet your appetite and we're going to share communion later in the service. Now, you might wonder, well, how does communion transform me? How does communion close the gap between who I am and who I want to be. Well, think of it this way. First of all, communion is a powerful practice that looks back to the event in history that changed everything. On the night before Jesus was, was crucified, Scripture says he gathered his disciples and he took some bread. And he said, he, said, uh, he gave thanks for it, to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces. And he said to his disciples, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of, of me. And then he took a cup and he said, the cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out, look at this, as a sacrifice for you. And so communion uh, takes us back to the sacrifice of Jesus and it allows us to be here today free from sin, free from condemnation. Free to have a direct relationship with God, which just blows me away. That I can, I can look back at all the things I've done to hurt other people and, and to hurt God. And, and Jesus says, my blood forgives all of it. This is the taste of grace. This is the taste of a new start for you. This is the taste of freedom from everything that has enslaved you. I love the way communion, this ancient practice, refocuses me. Each week, you know, our lives are just so full of so much stuff. Our minds are just always thinking and processing mounds of information. Our hearts deal with all kinds of emotions every day. And that's why I need this practice. We need this practice because we don't want to go very long without an intentional moment where we come together together to remember and, and look back at what Jesus has done for us. So first look back and then communion gives us an opportunity to look within in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, you should examine yourself, look within, before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Communion provides a great opportunity to look within, not to beat ourselves up, but to be honest. With ourselves, because even though Jesus took the penalty for all of our sin, we still still struggle with it. I know I've got sin in my life that I need to be freed from, and as I look within, it allows God to to show me what needs changing in my life, what I need to be freed from in order to move from from where I am to where I want to be. So look back, look within, and then another way communion closes that gap is it's an opportunity to look around. In the original language, the word word for communion is the same word from which we get the word community, because communion reminds us that our connection with God can never be separated from our connection with other people. Take a look at how Luke, the author of the book of Acts, describes the early church. He says, all the believers devoted themselves to, to four things, the apostles' teaching, that's the New Testament, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, And to prayer. I love how this ancient practice of communion shaped the early church and unified them. And so later on, when we take communion, we're going to do a little different today. We've got some stations set up around the room, and we're going to invite you to get up and to walk to one of those stations, and it'll be an opportunity for you to see how, look around and see how Jesus connects all of us. And we're using a, a, a different kind of a bread this weekend to represent how Jesus makes us one. So look back, look within, look around, and then one more, look ahead. Look at what what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth about communion. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Paul says as you take communion, look ahead to what the future holds for followers of Jesus because someday Jesus is coming back. And he's going to make everything right. In other words, communion is a taste of heaven. A time when he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. I don't know about you. I don't look ahead enough. I get so focused on the now, I forget to look ahead. But communion says, hold on, that day is coming. And so this ancient... Practice of communion is really a gift that helps close the gap between who I am and and who I want to be, who God wants me to be. And we're going to share communion together later on in our service. But there is another ancient practice that actually goes before communion. In the New Testament, when people would make a decision to start following Jesus, they would acknowledge that decision initially, not by communion, but by getting baptized. And so we're going to have some baptisms later on in the the service today. We've got the baptistry, it's over here. We've got it all filled up and heated up and and ready to go. Some of you came today and you already made the decision uh, to get baptized, and some of you came here today not expecting to be baptized, but I want to ask you if you would open your, your heart and your mind to what God wants you to do. Would you open your heart to the possibility that maybe God wants you to get baptized today. I mean, we got everything that you need. You know, we got these cool shirts that, uh, you yeah, know, very fashionable, right? And uh, they're cool. You get, to, you get to keep that. We've got shorts, all different kinds of sizes. We've got towels and lots of them. hair dryers, even underwear, and every size imaginable. We've got private changing rooms in the back, people in the lobby that would love to help you. You know, we're ready for you to take this step today. You know what? We've already had 26 people. Uh, this weekend experience uh, baptism it's been a great celebration now i know as soon as i say baptism i know what some of you are thinking okay you know this part of ben's message isn't really for me because i've already been baptized but hold on okay not so fast this part of the message is actually for two groups of people the first group is those of you who have not yet been baptized The second group is those who have been baptized but maybe have forgotten why it's so important. Today we want to help each other close the gap through the ancient practice of of baptism. Now to make sure that we're all on the same page about baptism, I want to show you a, a, a recent baptism that occurred here at River Glen. Take a look at the screens. Baptism paints a very powerful picture, doesn't it? But what is actually happening? What I want to do is spend a few moments looking at a passage that I think really gives the best explanation of baptism in the New Testament, and it's found in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. But before we read that, I want to give you just a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul writes to Christians in Rome, and as far as we can tell, back then when people... Began following Jesus, they would immediately get baptized. And so, most of the people that Paul writes to in the book of Romans, they were already baptized. Baptism was not a new or foreign concept to them, but like many of us, these Roman Christians weren't as consistent in following Jesus as they wanted to be. They struggled with doubts and temptations like we do. And so, with that in mind, let's read these words from Paul. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized? into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. I love how this scripture explains the rich symbolism in baptism. This ancient practice is a beautiful perfect picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It expresses the heart of the good news that Jesus died and was buried and rose again because lowering a person under the water represents, repre- reenacts the death and the burial of Jesus, and raising up out of the water reenacts the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we, bapt- we practice baptism by full Im- immer- immersion. Uh, First, because in the original language, the word for baptism means to submerge, to fully immerse. And immersion, unlike sprinkling or pouring, portrays the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But what actually happens in baptism when a person is baptized? Well, let's go back. Let's run a replay of uh, the video that we showed you just a moment ago, and uh, I'm gonna talk about what's actually happening in this ancient uh, practice. Here we see our friend, you know, making her way into the baptistry, and uh, by the way, there's nobody backstage, you know, like forcing her uh, to do that. She's making her own decision uh, to go down uh, in there, and we also asked her uh, before baptism to affirm her faith in Jesus by making a statement like this. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and I take him as my Lord and Savior. And so what we just saw her do, what we just saw is significant because in baptism, we declare and let everybody know about our faith and belief in Jesus. Kind of like a, a, a man and a woman standing before uh, God and family and friends in, in, a, in a wedding ceremony declaring their commitment to each other. In baptism, people stand before family and friends to declare their belief and their commitment to Jesus. Jesus himself said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And what I want you to notice here is how belief or faith goes hand in hand With baptism. Somebody asked a very interesting question uh, to uh, Dear Abby about this aspect of uh, baptism. Maybe you've heard of Dear Abby. uh, She runs an advice column that's syndicated in newspapers across the the country. And uh, here's what somebody wrote Dear Abby, I'm happily married to a man with a strong religious upbringing. Since I do not believe in baptism, I made a conscious decision not to be baptized. This has caused considerable concern for my husband's parents. A few weeks ago, as I entered my in-law's home, I walked through the door, and they surprised me by sprinkling holy water on me and mumbling a few words. Can you imagine this? When I described the incident to some friends, they informed me that I had been baptized whether I liked it or not. Abby, is this possible? Can you believe that? (laughs) Sounds like a bad reality show or something, doesn't it? I don't know. Well, here's what... Here's Abby's response, okay? She says, the decision to be baptized must be a conscious one. So you weren't baptized, you were only moistened, yeah. <laughs> Pretty clear answer by Abby uh, there. I've never been asked about the uh, surprise baptism, but uh, I've been asked a lot of other, other questions. Now I want to pause for a, a moment and address something that can be sensitive for some uh, people. You know, many of you probably were raised, uh, come from a religious background that uh, practices infant baptism, and you were baptized as a baby. Maybe you've been attending here for a while, and, and you've noticed at River Glen that, that we don't do infant baptism, instead we do child uh, dedication. And the reason is because we, we understand baptism is tied to faith, and infant baptism is really based on the, on the parent's faith. In every New Testament example of baptism, a person always makes a decision for himself or herself. And so we always challenge people to make the, the decision to be baptized, uh, even if you are baptized as a baby. And you know what? Let me just say this, that, that uh, if, you did, if you make a decision, if you make your own decision to be baptized, that doesn't discount the decision your parents made to have you baptized as a baby. I think it affirms it. I think it fulfills it by choosing to do it yourself. In baptism, you declare your faith and belief in Jesus. But that's not all that happens then when we're baptized. Let's take a look at the next part of our video. We see our friend here, lowered under the water, okay? And we're going to just stop uh, right there. Now, uh, if you were here a few minutes ago, you know we do bring her back up. We don't leave her there, all right? But when you're under the water, you're not breathing for a moment. And that is... a uh, a reenactment of the death and burial of Jesus. But something else is happening. And that is in baptism, we die to sin. Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those, look at this, who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has has died, has been set free from sin. Now you might be thinking, "Set free from sin? What? I still, I still, I still sin. I, you know, I missed the mark. Did my baptism not take? Did they not hold me under long enough?" No. Paul isn't saying we won't sin anymore. I want you to get this. What he's saying is that we have died to sin in a legal sense. He's telling us that in God's eyes, we have died. Uh, to to sin. Maybe this would help. Think of it this way. Imagine you commit a crime, and you're guilty of it, and you're in the courtroom on trial. And in a strange twist, the judge declares you not guilty and sets you free. In our American court system, can you be tried again for that crime? No. Even though you're guilty, your record is wiped clean, and that crime can never be held against you ever again. That's what it means to die, to sin, to sin. 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the, from the body, but the pledge. Look at this phrase. You get a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That despite our guilt, we can have a clear conscience before, before God because in baptism, we die to sin and we're declared innocent. Sound, sound too good to be true? Well, it's too good. But it's not too good to be true because it's what we call grace, and it comes to us as a gift through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, If you think about it, nothing about baptism is your effort. Baptism isn't something you do. You don't, you don't baptize yourself. Somebody else does the work for you. You just accept the grace that comes through it. And so in baptism, we declare our belief and faith in Jesus. We die to sin. And then then in baptism, we rise to our new identity as God's beloved child. And uh, that's what it looks like right there. And it never gets old watching baptisms, does it? I mean, that kind of joy is just appropriate because being God's beloved child is a great reason to to celebrate. One of my favorite stories of of baptism in the Bible is the baptism of, of Jesus. I mean, if there was ever anybody who didn't need to be baptized... Jesus, right? I mean, he knew he's the son of God. He's without sin. He's perfect. And he chose to be baptized. Doesn't, doesn't the fact that he chose baptism, doesn't that tell us this must be really important to God? But do you notice what happens after the, right after the baptism of Jesus? Follow along uh, with me here. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And look what God says. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is my son I love. And with him, I am well pleased. Remember, in baptism, we don't just identify with the death and the burial. We identify with the resurrection of, of Jesus. And so baptism symbolizes a new life. It symbolizes a fresh start. It symbolizes a new identity as God's child, as God's daughter. It's as if every time someone gets baptized, God says, you know, this is my son with him. I am well pleased. This is my daughter with her. I am well pleased. I can still remember my baptism, even though it was a long time ago. I was, I was nine years old. I got baptized August 1975, the reason I think I remember it, one reason why I think I remember it so well, I can remember it like it was yesterday, is because I really had to muster up my courage to get baptized. The church where I attended, where my family attended, you know, they, they did baptisms old school. And at the end of the message every week, the pastor would lead in a, a hymn of, of invitation and invite people to come forward and accept Jesus. And and, uh, and be baptized. And sometimes he would say, and you never know if you're going to get another chance. And so, yeah, I was a little scared. But uh, I, I was nine years old. I mustered up my courage. And I said to my parents, I said, you know, I want to do it. And so they invited the, the pastor over to our home. And I remember talking with him and telling him how nervous I was to get baptized and go down front and get baptized in front of the church on Sunday morning. And I'll never forget what he said. He knew I played baseball, Little League Baseball. And he said, Ben, let me ask you. If you hit a home run in a baseball game, would you want other people to see it? I'm like, yeah. And so we scheduled my baptism <laughs> for, the, uh, for the next uh, Sunday. And, and so, you know I, I, you know, I brought my stuff. And, and uh, I remember at the end of the sermon, it's the hymn of invitation. But I mean, I am sweating. I am nervous. I'm getting cold feet. We're, we started singing the, the invitation song. Fortunately, I'm next to my dad. And he just gently gave me a little elbow, and I went, went down front, got baptized, and uh, so glad that I, I, I did it. You know something? I was thinking about this this week, that if, if, I, if, if it wasn't for my dad next to me, I might have chickened out on that, on that Sunday. You know, sometimes people want to do it, and they're ready to do it, but they need a little encouragement, a little support like I did. And I'll never forget my baptism, one of the best days of my life. I've never once regretted making that decision because so much happens in baptism. Now, when I started talking about baptism, I said I was talking to two groups of people, and I want to give each group a challenge. First, if you have not been baptized, the challenge is pretty obvious. Let's do it. Be baptized today. Declare, choose to declare your faith in Jesus and follow his lead and reenact his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Maybe you recently came to a place where you want to follow Jesus. You're ready to take this step. Maybe you've followed Jesus for a long time, but you've never really understood the purpose or the meaning of, of baptism. Or maybe it's, it's, it's a decision you've just been putting off or resisting for some reason that, that I don't even know. Whatever the reason... My question, why wait any longer? Why put this off? Scripture says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Look at this, have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. You can take this step today. You know, In a few moments, you'll have the opportunity to make this decision and be baptized, and we're going to celebrate in this, in, in this service uh, with you. I also want to talk to another group of people here. My hunch is that some of us have gotten baptized, but we've forgotten what our baptism really means. I'm not saying that you necessarily need to be rebaptized, but like the Roman Christians, we need to reflect on our baptism over and over again in times of doubt and struggle. We need to remember the moment that we drove a stake in the ground and we made a decision and said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And I wish we had some kind of physical reminder like a wedding ring. To help us remember that commitment. Those of you that are married, you know, you've, you've got a wedding ring. Maybe you've been married five years, ten years, maybe, maybe 50 years. You know, in those rare occasions when Marnie and I aren't experiencing marital bliss, I'm, I'm glad I can look down and see my uh, ring to represent the commitment that I made to her. 29 years ago. And in the same way, we need to draw on the memory of our baptism to, re- to, to remind us of the commitment that we made to Jesus. I don't know, maybe you got a picture, maybe you got a video, maybe you got a T-shirt of your, your baptism. But if you don't have something like that, I hope every time you see somebody get baptized, you're reminded of the greatest decision you ever made in your life, to follow Jesus. Author Rachel Evans says, in baptism, the Christian stands naked and unashamed before all these demons. All these impulses and temptations, sins and failures, and says, I am a beloved child of God, and I renounce anything or anyone who says otherwise. It's a brave, defiant thing to do, and Christians ought to do it more often, if not in our baptisms, than in our remembrance of them, or maybe, she says, every time we take a shower, I like that. Every time we stand in the shower, every time we sit in a bathtub, every time we dive into a pool, we need to let the water remind us of our, of our baptism and our new identity as a beloved son, a beloved daughter uh, of God. And so for those of you that, that need to remember your baptism, we welcome you to come forward and, and uh, dip your hand in the uh, water of the, of the baptistry and go back to that day that you, when you said yes to Jesus. Later on, we're going to, go, we're going to walk or give you the chance to walk around and go to communion stations, and you're welcome to, to make your way over to the baptistry and just dip your hand in the water. Or maybe after the service, you want to come down front and dip your hand in the water and let it take you back to the day you made your commitment to Jesus. Several people have decided to make that commitment this weekend and get baptized, and we'd like you to hear from some of them. Take a look at the screens.
1: My name is Dana Bierke. I've been coming to River Glen on and off for a few months now. My name's Eric. I've been attending River Glen for about a year now. Uh, my name is Jake Pierce. I've been coming to River Glen since Christmas of this year. Baptism to me means um, that it allow me to rebuild and re-nourish a faith that um, I've kind of let go so that uh, my connection with God can grow stronger. It's time to get baptized you know it's about time you know stop stop dipping my my toe in the water and go all in. I was baptized Catholic as a kid through my parents to be raised um, under the Lord and now as an adult, um, getting back into my faith, I'd like to be baptized on my own. It was when I left for college that I realized that this um, minimalistic faith of mine um, really could not sustain me, so I came to the conclusion that um, change needed to be made um, and that I needed to work on um, regrowing my faith. It's a symbol, it's an outward symbol of of my faith and the the changes that have been occurring and God working in me. To me it's like a commitment to um, to Jesus and growing a stronger relationship from here on out with them.
0: You know, I appreciate these three, not just making the decision to get baptized this weekend, but uh, opening up and uh, sharing with us what their, what their baptism means uh, to them. Let's, let's show our appreciation. Let's give them a hand for sharing um, with us. Those are great stories and uh, very uh, inspirational, and uh, maybe you want to join them. And take this beautiful step of faith. You don't have to wait any longer. We're going to have baptism celebration in this service. We're ready for you, and uh, you just need to have the courage to step out. You can come as a, as an individual uh, today. You can come as a couple or as a as a family. Maybe some friends will come and and, and support each other. You th- you might think you might say, "Well, what are other people going to think?" You know, if I if I do this, if I get in the baptistry, you know, this morning, I'll tell you what they'll think. They're thinking, you're making the best decision of your life. You're hitting a home run. And they're going to cheer and they're going to applaud just like the angels in heaven. And so here's what I want to ask us to do. I'd like to ask everybody, if you would, to please stand uh, with me. We're going to sing a song together in a moment. And so if you would, go ahead and stand up. And if you want to get baptized today, if you came planning to get baptized today, or maybe you just decided uh, to get baptized while while we're singing this song, it's real simple. Just, just make your way to an aisle and head to the lobby, and uh, we've got a team of people there that would greet you and, and help you uh, through, the, through the process. Before, before we sing the song, I want to invite everyone to repeat, if you believe these words, to repeat this statement with me. You ready? Repeat after me. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I take him as my Lord and Savior. Let me ask you one more time, if you believe those words, you know, what are you waiting for? You know, go to the lobby, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord, embrace your new identity. Let's do this. Let me pray for us before we sing. God, we ask you to move in our hearts and, and move in our lives to help us take our next step following you. God, I know that there are people here who believe and have inwardly decided to follow Jesus, but have yet to submit to baptism, God, would you give them a nudge, give them that extra courage today through your spirit, move in their lives, and help them take this important step to say yes to this command that Jesus gave to everyone who follows him. And we pray this in his name, in Jesus' name, amen.